You're listening to a podcast from St. Bart's to find out more about our church or to take a next step. Visit stbarts.com.au. Well, if you have a Bible, Bible app, it'd be great to keep that open to Second Peter. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one at the back. For this morning, we are in our last week of our Advent series as we prepare to celebrate Christmas. But first, let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for the gift of our Saviour Jesus. Please help us to grow in understanding of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he will come to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Growing up, our family holiday was one week at the beach. The same place every year, the same beach, the same accommodation. And so it meant that the moment we arrived, we could relax. We knew where our favourite beach was, our favourite pool, and even our favourite pay TV channel. Our holiday pattern didn't really change that much year to year. So because we knew how good our last holiday had been, it meant that we eagerly looked forward to the next, confident that it would be a fun week away. Maybe you feel the same about holidays or eating your favourite takeaway or watching your favourite movie. Because of what you've experienced, what has come, you look forward to enjoying it again. At Christmas, we get to celebrate and rejoice that God has come, which should also help us to look forward with joy that God will come again. The baby in the manger reminds us that Jesus has come and should fill us with hope and anticipation that he will come again in glory. This hope should fill us with more joy than waiting for our next holiday and even more than a child's anticipation of Christmas morning. For Jesus will come again to create all things new soon. First, Jesus will come again. So from chapter 3, verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. People have all sorts of strange ideas about the promise that Jesus will come again. And amongst early Christians, there was confusion too. And really, it's not that surprising. Jesus said that he'd come back. So where is he? For those Peter writes to, they've been waiting years and decades for Jesus to return. And well, for us... Well, we've been waiting centuries and even millennia. So should Jesus coming just be a promise that we abandon at this point? 
For Peter, for the church throughout history, and for Jesus, the promise that Jesus would come again is an essential doctrine, an essential part of understanding who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he will come to do. It is central to Christian belief and hope, so much so that it is embedded in the creeds. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. As Christians, we believe that Jesus will come again. He will come again in judgment and establish his everlasting kingdom. This is not something a bunch of Christians just made up, but it's what Jesus himself promised. In many places, Jesus spoke about his return in glory. Through parables, he taught that his return would be imminent, surprising, and certain. It wouldn't be the end of time, but the beginning of forever. Now, talk of Jesus' return can seem a little bit lofty and a little bit detached from reality. It's so easy to just feel overwhelmed by today that we can be in danger of applying that same focus to Christianity. Can't we just focus on the problems of today? But as the past few months have shown, the more we focus on the problems of our world today, the more they just seem to multiply. The world has obvious problems and our lives have obvious fault lines. Only focusing on today doesn't seem to be fixing things. If Jesus coming was a once-off event, if Jesus lived, died, and left us to be in control, then our hope for any change is now up to us. And our track record is not so good. But this is not the Christian story. Yes, Jesus did live, die, and return to the Father. And yes, Jesus commissioned his disciples to carry on his work in the power of the Spirit. But we do so living in the reality that Jesus is alive and he will come again. God has come and God will come again. We serve him now in anticipation of that not yet seen, but are confident that it will happen at any time. We can look at today with hope, for Jesus will come again. And Jesus will come again to create all things new. So from verse 5. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. God's people have always expected that the beginning of the kingdom of God would also be marked by a day of judgment. Now, a day of judgment sounds pretty frightening, but actually God's people looked forward to when that day would happen. The day of the Lord was a good day when God's kingdom would come and perfect justice would be done. 
So when the scoffers suggest that Jesus won't come back, they also mean that the world will just continue and we will avoid judgment. Now, that might sound comforting, maybe much more appealing than a day of judgment. But living in a world where suffering and injustice continue unchecked is not comforting. We long for true justice to be done. Peter demonstrates that God will not let the world just tick over, but that he is actively at work. The beginning of creation is there because God made it and set it in motion. The flood during Noah's lifetime, the waters that deluged and destroyed, are signs of God's judgment brought forward. And today, God sustains and preserves the world. But there will be a time when judgment and destruction of the ungodly will come. God is actively at work. He is not going to let sin continue on forever. And judgment is part of the story of Scripture and a part of the story of salvation. The creator is the only one qualified to be the judge. Now, we don't like judgment, mostly because we're faulty judges. We miss things. We miss seeing the whole picture. We're swayed by our own interests. I really hate it when judgment just seems to perpetuate injustice and is incomplete. The good news is that on the day of the Lord, the one who judges is the only one perfectly qualified to judge. God the Father entrusts this role of judgment to God the Son, the one who has already entered into the history of the world, who perfectly understands the challenges of being human, who knows what it's like to be unfairly accused, who took on himself our punishment, who laid down his life on the cross for the weight of our sin. Jesus is our saviour and Jesus is our judge. He is the one who both proclaims the Lord's favour and the Lord's judgement. Jesus himself claims that he is given authority to judge because he is the son of man. And in John's gospel, Jesus describes the day of judgement where he will return All will hear his voice. All the dead will be raised and Jesus will judge the world. Everyone will come before him, those who have listened and followed Jesus and those who have not. Part of the path to things being set right is for Jesus to rightly judge. Judgment is how Jesus is making everything new. We so desperately long for the suffering of the world and the brokenness of our lives to be mended. We need Jesus to deal with the sin of the world. And with the sin in us, we harbour, enjoy and ignore. Isaiah 65 transports us to that future See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. 
but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. The future we anticipate is one of peace and abundant joy. Because sin and death is eradicated, weeping and crying is replaced with rejoicing. Through judgment, Jesus will create all things new. Your favourite place, your favourite holiday, your favourite Christmas cannot compare to the beauty, peace and delight and joy that Jesus will usher in when he returns. If you have trusted in Jesus' death for you, then there is no need to fear the day of judgment, but look forward to it with joy. Jesus will come again to create all things new soon. Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In waiting for Jesus' return, we see that the Lord's patience is not because he has forgotten or broken his promise. The Lord's patience means salvation, and the Lord's coming should shape the character of our lives. We wait actively in anticipation that Jesus will return at any moment. This is not like waiting for a friend at dinner, wondering if they've remembered. For God does not forget. He is the perfect promise keeper. It's just that as the sustainer of the whole universe, days operate a little bit differently. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. We don't wait by trying to predict when he will return. Jesus said he didn't even know when that would be. We wait by shaping our lives with the priorities of the kingdom yet to come. Just look at the reasons that Peter gives for what might seem like a delay to us. Jesus' patience is so that everyone may come to repentance so that no one perishes. Jesus' delay is not motivated by forgetfulness, but by love. Our Lord's patience means salvation. It means that those on our front lines, our friends, family, neighbours, colleagues, continue to have opportunities to come to the Lord of life, to repent and follow our Saviour and our Redeemer. Because of Jesus, that Jesus is coming soon, our invitation and evangelism should be motivated by Jesus' imminent return. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. <coughs> Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Not knowing the hour doesn't mean that we sit around doing nothing, for our Lord is not sitting down doing nothing. Hear the urgent language that Peter uses. The day of the Lord is coming like a thief. 
We're not to respond by arming the house, but in how we live as people wherever we are. How we live reflects the confidence we have in who will come, that he is coming, and the kingdom that he will establish. In Revelation, the return of Jesus is like the return of a bridegroom to a wedding feast, where the bride is the people of God. Even though in our typical weddings, the bride is the last to arrive, in the first century context, the bride would wait for the groom to come and bring her to the home he has prepared. It would be a noisy and joyous procession as the bride is brought to her new home and the marriage would result in the whole community rejoicing. Now, Jesus' return can often feel fairly distant to our day-to-day lives. Whole weeks could go by without a second thought to this core doctrine. But we want to keep on remembering every day because that will shape our lives and the people we become. Like a bride, we wait patiently with confidence of the one we'll soon behold. We wait with holy and godly lives. We wait knowing the world with its suffering and sin will not continue on forever. But soon Jesus will return in glory and all will be set right. When we celebrate the baby born in the manger, it is a reminder of this is not God's only gift to us. The risen Jesus will return again and once and for all create all things new. Right now, his patience brings salvation. So we wait with holy and godly lives, eager to welcome our King, come in glory, enjoy the new heavens and earth he will create. So this Christmas, looking back and looking ahead, we can sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you that not only did you send your son to us for our salvation, but that Jesus is risen and will return again. Lord, help us not to be distracted or disheartened as we wait. And we pray that you would be at work in this in-between time, drawing our friends and family to you in repentance. By your spirit, help us to be people waiting with holy and godly lives, ready for when you return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast from St. Bart's. To learn more or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au.